You know, we tried something a little different this morning with worship. We wanted to really just kind of start with by calling everybody in and then entering into the Holy of Holies and stand there and let you guys just really focus on the Lord. And, you know, it's difficult to do, right? Because there's so much noise all around us all the time. It's tough to wind down sometimes and just lean into God and let that happen. So today we're going to be speaking about a couple of different things. And uh, I want to start off with um, a few quick questions. Uh, how many think Jesus is pretty cool by a show of hands? Oh, cool. I'm not the only one. That's great. Now, how many think his dad's pretty scary? Is it just me? I know it's not. So somebody's not being honest here. You know, it's uh, pretty amazing, but a lot of folks do fear God. And a lot of that comes from their relationship with their earthly father. So if there's been some kind of hurt there, some kind of wound, uh, it makes it difficult. If we can't trust our earthly father, who we can see and touch, how can we trust our heavenly father, whom we've never seen? So I wanted to talk about that a little bit this morning and uh, talk about um, getting over things like this. So this is all about freedom of Christ, through Christ. So... Do we serve an angry God, a jealous God, as some would have us believe? Uh, if our own father had anger issues or, or things like that, did that impact how we look at, at our Heavenly Father? Scripture, bad teaching, you know, if you do the wrong thing, he's up there with a magnifying glass waiting for you to make a bad turn left or right so he can fry you. No, that's, that's not our Heavenly Father. So... All that simply means is if we, uh, you know, have an issue every day with trusting God, then it's it's hard to really fully embrace what God has for us. And it's a bigger problem than you might think. And this is something I pulled off the Internet. God mostly just terrifies me. I have committed some grave sins in the past, witchcraft, etc., and have experienced the wrath of God directly. The thing is, I feel like God isn't a God of love and is basically an emotional terrorist. I actually do believe in Christ, and I love him dearly, but I cannot possibly love God if he demands constant fear in order to get people to submit. I fear him. I'm terrified of him. I can repent, but there's absolutely nothing in the entire universe that could possibly make me love him, especially after everything I've been through. When I read that, it just broke my heart. But I could identify with it before I really knew God was, you know, just because of the culture, the way they attack the faith and, and make God um, out to be a really bad guy. And whatever wrong that we have done is nothing. You know, our bad, our sin can never be greater than God's goodness, God's grace. It's impossible. If you're in a relationship with Christ and you think that you can't, like when I first got approached about uh, going into ministry, I said, I can't go in the building, it'll fall down, you don't know what I've done, you know. So God's going to take everybody else out to get even with me, you know? Or the plane's going to go down because I'm on it. And that really is a prevalent attitude out there. So we want to dispel that this morning. 
And uh, we're going to look at a few scriptures to do this with. So, first of all, here's what God says about us. For the Lord your God is all-consuming fire, a jealous God. That's Deuteronomy 4.2. In the Bible, the words jealous and zealous basically interchangeable. It's the same Hebrew word in the original text. In English, we spell with two of the almost identical because they derive from the same Greek root. We think of zeal as being intense enthusiasm. The idea that captures why God is so possessive of us. He is and always will be a consuming fire of passion for us. Do you remember falling deeply in love? How you burned with a deep passion for the love of someone? How you consumed with the feelings? Only the barest shadow is that of the power of God's love for you. We need to remember, as we talk about God's intolerance of idolatry, that everything comes back to a passionate love that is so immense, so powerful, that it burns hotter than a billion stars. Can you imagine that? It's true. Sorry, I'm a little dry this morning, so bear with me. Also, God is jealous for our heart. Doesn't everything already belong to God? Is there anything that competes with his power or the greatness? Of course not, at least not in reality. But what about our hearts? God is jealous for you and for your heart, not because he is petty or insecure, but because he loves you. The reason why God has such a huge problem with idolatry is that his love for you is all-consuming. He loves you too much to share you. Here's what to be said of God. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. That's Deuteronomy 4.24. But as J.I. Packer explains, and this is in a great book called Knowing God, God's jealousy is not a compound frustration, envy, and spite, as human jealousy so often is, but appears instead as praiseworthy zeal, to preserve something supremely precious. And that's what we are to our Father. Supremely precious. The Hebrew name for God, all-consuming fire, jealous God, is Elkanah. And that's the the jealousy of God that we're speaking about spiritually, not our understanding. Because we are loved and grace abounds and we are treasured. And then lastly here, this is off Luke 12, 6, 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, yet not one of them has ever been forgotten in the presence of God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are far more valuable than many sparrows. So I want to share some slides with you this morning. May give some perspective on this. Could you bring the first one up for me? I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with these images or not. Uh, That was a star getting ready to go into existence 150 billion years ago. So we try to figure out timelines with God. It's impossible. 
I, I thought it looked like a hand. Dave thought it looked like a praying man. So it's kind of a Warshack thing here, you know. Is it the gorgeous woman or the ugly old hag? Which, you know, I thought it looked like God's hand. So this is a, a combination of what the Hubble and the Webb telescopes are bringing us, all these sights into, into the universe now. So we go to the next one, please. Okay, you see that little tiny red dot there, with the dot with the red around it? That's us here in planet Earth. And each one of those red dots that you see out there, beyond that, represents another galaxy. Each one of those galaxies has 100 trillion stars. That's pretty incredible when you think about that, right, those numbers? And here's the thing. There's not one planet that they have found yet that can support human life. They thought they had one, but it was too hot. And so, so far, we're, we're the only game in the, in the galaxies. You know, and if you're, you know, really off into the spaceman thing, I'd let you, let me know when one lands on your front yard and I'll come over and give them a greeting. <laughs> Klaatu, Barada, Nick, too. <laughs> welcome, welcome. So when we look at that, and some people see this and they go, man, are you kidding me? How could we be worth anything when we look at this image? You know, all that vastness, how could we matter to God? Can we go to the next one? Ah, here's a close-up of our home planet Earth. Even got North America on there, a little tighter from the Hubble. So what I want to reassure you of this morning is you are at the center of God's universe. You're his favorite kid, period. There's nobody he loves more than you in this moment. And I can prove that. You ready? Let's see what's at the center of God's universe. Next slide. Oh, my goodness. It's it's Brian Cram. Oh, no, wait. It's me. <laughs> I'm at the center of God's universe, right? Ask anybody who's ever worked with me. They'll tell you. But here's the good news. Let's go to the next one. You can just keep running from here. <laughs> Look who else is at the center of God's universe. All you precious people. Yeah. He loves you more than you'll ever know. Beautiful faces. So if we embrace... Oh, there Oh, there you go. Well, I didn't mean that embrace particularly, but <laughs> yeah, you got to go with the flow, right? <laughs> so if we can get the, our minds you know, around this, the fact that each and every one of us are God's favorite child, period. You're the center of his universe. And Scripture tells that uh, to us as well. And so we're going to talk also about keeping the main thing the main thing this morning as we look at these photos. <laughs> Pretty great body. So fundamentals in our faith is so important. 
we need to make sure that we agree on the main things of our faith because sometimes we can get so distracted. You know, we're off into this, we're off into this. I'll talk a little further about that. But do we all agree that Christ died on the cross for our sins? Do we all agree that Jesus rose again, gave us eternal life? All right. So here's what it says in Galatians um, 3, 13, 14. And uh, this is from the Message Bible. We can pull it up. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. And now because of that, the air is cleared and we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life, his spirit, and with us believing just the way Abraham uh, received it, we receive the same thing. So if we can keep our fundamentals straightened out, it really helps our walk a lot. So how do we get to that place? Like I said, once again, has it been bad teaching? Is it our own relationship with our earthly father? Well, these are things that only you can answer if you have that going on in your life. But I can tell you, you need to do heart surgery and not put a Band-Aid on it. That's the only way to get past all of this. And then once you know and you have the confidence that you're God's favorite child, how do you walk this out? With confidence, right? Don't be frozen chosen, waiting to hear from God. I, I've, I've caught that a lot in ministry. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for God to speak to me so I know what to do. And it's already laid out for us in Scripture, but we'll go over more of it today. So how do we know that we're hearing from God and it's true and not just self-talk? And... Uh, I can tell you quickly that uh, I worked with a young man once that felt like he was called to Costa Mesa to go down there on on missions, and he was going to get a coffee stand to push around, and he was going to preach the gospel. He said, well, do you know Spanish? No. Okay. Blonde-haired kid. So uh, much to his credit, God bless him, he stepped out in faith, but we're not sure that he was hearing the right voice because he came back within a year and things were pretty bad. You know, his ministry just fell apart. So another uh, pastor that I worked with said, are you sure that God didn't say Costa Mesa instead of Costa Rica? You know, it's a long way to travel. And we think we're hearing from God, and we've actually talked ourselves into something. And that's why I'm thankful that, uh, you know, God called Valerie Jordan and myself here to San Juan Capistrano, not San Juan, Puerto Rico. Even though it's an hour drive, it's a little easier to get to here. So Romans uh, 12, 1 through 2, this is what it says. Place your life before God. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture 
that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Unbelievable. That's how the message Bible. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're in tune and really hearing from God. We're God's favorite child. Uh, if you're looking to what you should do with your life, what are your gifts? Are you great at being a teacher? Are you a mentor? Are you an encourager? You know, there's a lot of people that live in our area. And I apologize about the dryness. I'm on sinus medication, so. That are shut in. In our own neighborhood, Valerie and I have had two suicides in the last six months. We live in a 55-plus community. And there were two men who ended their lives because they lost their spouses, no friends. They're locked in the house all the time. And so they decided that they wanted to get out of here. As soon as I heard that, the first thing I thought of was, why don't we have a wellness check here? Why don't don't we do that? And as it turns out, If you are gifted in that area and you've got a lot of time on your hands, there are programs, and I'll be more than glad to share this with you, to where you can go out, if that's your heart to serve, and do wellness checks. Actually go in, spend time with folks, not just knock on the door and say, you're good in there, I'm out. Okay. A lot of people do that. You know, God's not calling us to do that. God's calling us to come alongside those who are hurting and bring hope to their lives. So. Whatever you're called to, whatever your contrite heart is telling you that you need to get involved in, walk out the door. It's there. There's an adventure waiting for you every day outside your door, I promise. And a lot of times we're just not seeing that because we're not looking for it, quite honestly. Like I said, culture, society, noise, everything is just coming at us at 100 miles an hour. It's really hard to slow things down and hear from God. That's why I'm very thankful for Bluetooth. You know, God is, uh, he wants constant communication with us. And before Bluetooth, people thought I was talking to myself in the car. And it got a little sketchy on the freeway. Mommy, that man's talking to himself. So now we have Bluetooth, so I can just talk to God all day long. It is, it's all good. I haven't been committed yet. It's very cool. So with that constant communication with God and understanding him and staying in his word, we will find out what we're called to. And just be ready to make a choice because a lot of times it's, not a lot of times, every time, it comes down to our choices. Do we choose to step in or are we going to choose to stay back? And if we're engaged, our life will be much fuller and you're actually walking out kingdom purpose. And I'd like to share a couple of personal stories with you if you don't mind. You can maybe shine a light on this a little bit. You know, when we step into... um, kingdom and kingdom purpose. I know what I did anyway when I first got saved 28 years ago before I stepped into ministry. I was um, thinking, well, as long as I've got God's covering, no harm will ever come to me. And that's taught a lot. You know, tithers rights. If you're tithing and God's protection, ain't nothing bad going to happen to you. 
are we kidding each other? Or we're, we're certainly not kidding God. Because the thing about it is, we have been martyred throughout Christian history. You know, we get a little soft in this country, and pardon me for saying that, because we got used to having our, our way, a little more say-so. But then again, when it goes against us, you know, we kind of go, well, gosh, that's just not fair. Well, it doesn't feel good, but guess what? It's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. So when you receive that condemnation from this world, you're to expect that. Actually celebrate. That's what makes us stronger. I didn't like testing. You know, so oh, that's a test from God. I don't, you know, I don't like tests. I don't, I don't do that well. So anyway, I was certainly deceived by bad teaching uh, from the time I was a little guy through some of my early years in ministry. But the bottom line is, is that bad things do happen to good people. Valerie and I, uh, when we were married in the year 2000, uh, nine months into our marriage, her eldest daughter, Mo, short for Morgan, passed away at the age of 17 in her sleep. Uh, second marriage for both of us. And uh, trying to do our blended family. I don't know if you know what that looks like, but if you put vegetables in a blender and hit great, that's your blended family, right? It's tough to get through some of that stuff, but it it was just, it, it took the breath out of us, took the life out of us. So my precious new bride, um, you know, disconnected for a very long time trying to get past that. And we're not unique. A lot of us in this body have lost somebody near and dear to us. Scotty lost his son on and on and on. Deborah's not here today. She lost her son not too long ago. A lot of people that worked in the, in this ministry, gone. So those things are going to happen to us. And, you know, we pray that it's not that catastrophic. So anyway, you know, as our lives continue to move on after a few years, 2010, my 22-year-old daughter, Vanessa, passed away. So now we've lost two children, and we're just, you know, going, wow. And I, the first thing I did was shake my fist at God. Somebody said, oh, you didn't get angry at God. I said, well, of course I did. He's my father. Yeah, I got, yeah, I was pretty angry. Oh, oh, you can't get angry. Trust me, he's big enough to handle, handle my anger. People do strange things in blaming God. I remember when Valerie and I were in Jamaica on our uh, uh, honeymoon. <laughs> we used to run the beach about five miles every day, uh, youth. And uh, I had a bunion on my foot, right? On my <laughs> so I'm running by this lady one day, in a Jamaican lady, and she goes, Oh, God, you must be angry at your brother. Why is that? Oh, you got a bunion on your foot. I've got God put that there? I don't think so. I think that's Italian loafers that were a little too tight. You know, if anybody, I'm angry at Dr. Scholes, not God, you know. <laughs> so we, we blame the Lord for the strangest things. But I got to tell you, it was really um, devastating and hard. And Vanessa, the way that she had passed, uh, dosed, left in a room, door closed, they, had, they called 911. She'd still be here with us, most likely. They didn't. So that set Valerie and I off on a journey to get the Good Samaritan Law passed here in California and get a documentary. First two things I prayed for, Lord, a documentary and a law to protect those who can't help themselves. So in all of that pain, 
both of those things were answered. Not immediately. It took their time. But the law was passed 28 months to the day of her passing. That's lightning fast in government. And I could see God's hand at every turn. This is nothing we did. He just kept opening the doors. Get a phone call. Will you come and speak? Yes. Will you do this? Yes. Yes. Choices available. But while we're going through this, and I'm trying to grieve my daughter and find purpose in my life, there was a man that was engaged to one of the singers on a worship team here locally where I was pastor of worship at the church. They broke up, and uh, he was a very disturbed guy. And uh, I used to pray with him all the time in church when they were still together and uh, try to help him, you know, find his legs a little bit. So anyway, she removed all of her social media. He couldn't, he couldn't find her. So he took Vanessa's Facebook page down, and then uh, he started sending me emails every day as though they were from my deceased daughter. Out of the pit, right? Why are you upset, Daddy? You know, just because I'm dead? I mean, things that, and you're going, Lord, what is this? And so I kept thinking, you know, God, you know, where was where was her protection? Where, you know, why it wasn't that prayer answered? You know, and now this guy's on me. And I mean, it was two years, daily emails. I'd wake up, Valerie would be at work, buddies at work. You know, I'm alone in the house, walking to my studio, and uh, open up my emails, and there he is to start my day. So he's a ship's engineer. So he would work for uh, these huge shipping lines like Holland America Cruise Lines, things like that. And he had addiction problems with cocaine and alcohol. So I knew I wasn't dealing with a rational human being, but still trying to figure out how I'm going to take my next breath and move forward in my life. I can assure you this wasn't helpful. So, you know, it was one of those things where finally one day I just cried out to God and I said, I can't do this anymore. I was weeping. I was losing my mind. Either you give me something in my faith to hang on to or I'm out. And if I leave, you know, I'll probably end up Scotland in Scotland and doing no good and some harm, you know. Being a street kid from the south end of Columbus, that's the way we used to deal with business. This is how I know I'm a changed person through God and it's Holy Spirit. So as I'm sitting there crying out to God after all of this just insanity, I heard that still small voice. I will never forget it. God took me straight to Matthew 22, 37 through 40. I'm not a theologian. I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar. I know my scriptures, but I can't pop them like that. Plus, I'm getting older, so, you know. Well, it's true. i got to tell you, I went to Lowe's last week and asked for furniture filters instead of furnace filters. So <laughs> there is that. But as I'm crying out to God, I, and I heard that still small voice, and I opened up that scripture, and it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Uh, the message says, With your prayer, passion, and intelligence, we have to engage the brain. We have to do that. God, He gave it to us. we got to use it. That's why we're talking about culture and stuff. We're getting distracted by shiny things and pulled off of our path. So when I read that, and then the second most important is similar, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. 
And the Greek on that, the translation, really means that we're just to look at every other living being through the grace-filled eyes of God. That's it. So love God, love people. Love God, love people. You know what? Maybe I can do this. Maybe this will be my foundations now. And it goes on to say that all other commandments and all the demands of the prophets stem from these two laws and are fulfilled if you obey them. Keep only these two, and you will find that you are obeying all the others. So when people have asked me in my journeys, you know, flying around the country and doing different things, you know, that knew about Vanessa's passing, they said, oh, uh, you know, how are you holding it together? And I said, only by one thing, this. And then also along with this scripture, I heard God's voice, Matthew uh, 634. Why are you worried about tomorrow when today has enough troubles of its own? So basically, what that means is love God, love people, and stay in the moment. Love God, love people, stay in the moment. I went, you know what? I might, I might be able to do this. It sounds easy, but I promise it's not. It's really not. I'm getting better, but it's about, you know, progress and not perfection, right? Perfection is something that you don't want any part of. It's nasty. It can ruin your life. I used to be a perfectionist. As a musician, I would go in the studio, and these guys would be amazed. Man, Vernon never makes a mistake. One take Vernon. And then I got to the place where they called me get-a-take Porter. Things change. (laughs) (laughs) But if I can manage this scripture, if I can really get that in my heart, my spiritual DNA, I need to love God, love people, love God, love people. Eventually, this guy that was, you know, sending us all the stuff to torture our family, it went away. I have no idea what he's doing. Um, the young man that does my daughter, I had to forgive that in order to go out and try to do something in her name that would bless her memory and honor people and help people. I do get calls occasionally about the Good Samaritan Law. Hey, it saved a life last night. Praise God. Jesus said, go after the one. Would I rather have my daughter with me? Yeah. But guess what? In her short life, the dash, it it stood for so much more than just her passing. And so that's how I try to walk out my life every day. And if we can get that in our spiritual DNA, it really does become easier to walk out the faith. Because the one thing that that scripture will show you is it removes the burden of judgment. And, you know, no matter who we are, occasionally, you know, we're all human. And we step into something. We look at somebody. They look at us. There's some voices going on. Now, how can I eliminate that and just look at this person as another child of God? So that's how I try to start it all the time. Where we live, there's a lot of folks that walk around with frowns on their faces, unfortunately. And so, you know, we always try to go out with a smile on our face. Sometimes you get one back and sometimes you don't. You know, that's okay. They're still bringing that light into darkness. There's a lot of lonely people where we live because it's a 55-plus community. And they've lost their partners and all their friends. And so they're just waiting around trying to, you know, suck oxygen until it's gone, you know, until they're out of here. That's a shame because God does have an adventure for each and every one of us every day. That's why grace is so important as well, you know. As God told the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. That's all you need. So love God, love people. 
Make sure that our grace is in motion. All right? And if we can do that, if we realize how fortunate and blessed we are by the, the trials and the fire that we've come through, it, it's so much easier to just look at other people in that same light. You know, everybody's got a story. Everybody that you come in contact with. I'm not, I, it just doesn't matter. Everybody has gone through something. So if we can be the only Jesus they say, or they see rather, in a day, that's quite, a, quite an amazing calling, don't you think? To bring joy into somebody's life. Some, of these, some people have never been smiled. That's why I used to talk about the homeless a lot. You know, and uh, give my men's group a challenge. You know, when you leave here today, after this Bible study, go out, and instead of flipping somebody a dollar or, oh, that poor soul, stop, slow down. Ask if you have permission to sit with them. You want ministry? Here's some ministry for you. Ask them how they got there. You know, they're, but for the grace of God, right? They don't have any contact with human beings. There's no conversation. They, some of them haven't been touched in forever and a day. You know, buy them a, buy them a sandwich, whatever you're doing. You don't have to flip money. Sit down, talk with them. Find out how they got there. You know, listen. Get to figure out how the, their lives came unwound like that. And then we used to, you know, before we left, do you mind if I give you a hug? And some people, you know, whoa, you give a homeless person a hug? Yeah. Jesus was hanging out with lepers. Are you kidding me? Right? And it's another human being, you know. It's another child of God. It's another favorite child of God, God's favorite kid. I'll never forget one time I was doing a, a motorcycle ride with a buddy of mine from back east. He's no longer here with us, but uh, I know where he is. And as we were coming through uh, the certain part of Lake Elsinore, it's like this almost desolate road before you get to the Ortega Highway. And uh, I, I noticed the fog rising up and all of these people walking out, you know, these homeless folks just walking out of the woods. That's, that was their home. Boom, it hit me like that. But we were sure going to be surprised by some of the folks we see in heaven and some that aren't in heaven, <laughs> right? And if it was left up to our, to our works and we remove grace, it's going to be a pretty empty place. So love God, love people, every person you come in contact. There's no caveat. You can't carry a sign. Unless you're this or unless you're that or unless you're this. That's not the foundation of our faith. That's not our fundamentals. That's not the thing that we really need to keep in focus all the time. Okay? So grace, it's the Lord's uh, grace is sufficient to lift you from death and sin and to endow you with eternal life. That's a pretty amazing gift. So we're going to keep our focus on God, walk with Christ. Your path is your own. Nobody else can tell you how to get through it. This is... This is a one-on-one a -on -one gig. There's nobody that's going to answer the questions for it. And in some of our cases, like Valerie and I, when we get to heaven, maybe we'll be thinking, why God? Because it's the why that will never be answered in this time on this planet. But his grace is sufficient. He's covered us, and he's brought beauty out of ashes. So if we can just focus on our fundamentals, our grace, it becomes so much easier to walk out our journey. And whatever you're called to, do it with confidence. You know, if it's on your heart and it's, it's from the Holy Spirit, do it with confidence. There is no need to be afraid of the world. I'll never forget, we were in Washington, D.C., and 
working on the Good Samaritan Law meeting with a, I mean, just a slew of legislators and everybody. And I'll never forget this uh, congressman from uh, New York looked at me and said, you know, Vernon, with this whole thing, because we're taking on Endo and Purdue, the drug companies getting drugs off the market, things of that nature. He said, you just dr- jumped in front of a big train. And it was like, do, do I need an engineer's hat? What are you trying to tell me? I just lost my daughter, man. You think that brings fear into my heart? Right? So we know Christ died for us, paid for our sins. It's the same thing. We should not be walking anything out in fear. False education appearing real. Have your Berean faith. Make sure that you're kicking tires. Make sure that it's real, what you're giving your heart to. And any other thing sometimes that we can, you know, get distracted by is... Um, looking at other people's paths, you know, well, they're doing this, I'm doing it. Well, how's come they got, and I just love this with, uh, with Peter and John, uh, <laughs> after, uh, Christ had come back and it says, turning his head, Peter noticed the disciple Jesus loved, you know, who wrote this, it's John, cause he always, he's always up in himself a little bit, right? The disciple that, uh, that Jesus loved, falling right behind. When Peter noticed him, he asked Jesus, Master, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus' response is, if I want him to live until I come again, what's that to you? Whoa. You follow me. That is how the rumor got out among the brothers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that is not what Jesus said. He simply said, if I want him to live until I come back again, my return, what is that to you? So this is the same disciple who eyewitnessed all these things and wrote them down. And we all know that uh, his eyewitness account is reliable and accurate because he's the apostle that Jesus loves. One more plug for John himself. So we've all had issues from the beginning of time. Sometimes they require tissues. Right? So, you know, never forget that. And uh, everything happens in God's timing. That's a fact. And we can't see the future uh, I know a lot of people, they, they go, you know, I feel this burden. Uh, you know, I, uh, I got to witness to these, this group of people. I got to do this. I got to do that. You have no idea the timeline that your prayers are going to be answered in. None. And so do you stop praying? No. You know, that's what we're called to do. I, I received a call a couple of days ago from uh, a musician in Columbus, Ohio, that came to our home when Valerie and I lived there for a few years. And he wanted to tell me, hey, man, I know that we talked five or six years ago, but my wife and I have now been sober for six months. You have no idea the impact that you're going to have on somebody's life. So when you walk away, don't be frustrated. It's not about us. It's not works. We're saved by grace, right? All we're doing, we're seed planters. You know, we're there to, you know, to walk it out. You can say anything you want. I stopped, you know, watching lips a long time ago and started watching feet. How are you walking this thing out? So if we, you know, stay in it, stay in it with God, you know, keep our prayers up for, for others. And uh, so here's five simple ways to show God's love to others. Show God's love by listening. Show God's love with generosity. Show, and that's, I'm not telling you to get in your wallet and pull your dollars out. Generosity can be a lot of different things. Show God's love by encouraging others. Show God's love with acts of kindness. Show God's love by praying for others. Thank you, Scotty. 
and it's possible to show God's love to everyone. So once again, if we walk out the door with that attitude, love God, love people, stay in the moment, everybody's his favorite kid, you remove the burden of judgment, and all of a sudden your life becomes so much simpler. You know, I, I, I am so thankful for where I'm at in my life right now that God's let me hang it well. That's another thing that we should probably bring up, but that I've been here this long and finally, you know, learning these lessons that I was so resistant to earlier. I believe that God receives. I don't think God takes. I think when we depart from here, Christ is there with his arms wide open. That's what I believe. So those are some ways that we can show God's love. And, you know, sometimes I'm not sure that I always, uh, you know, present myself, you know, perfectly. Like I said, perfection is a is a horrible thing. But as it turned out, and I was working on this message all week and rewriting it three or four times, yesterday, um, as I needed to print some things out, all of a sudden, you had a new printer and had the starter cartridge. It's like, man, I got to go to Staples. I'm working. I got to go to Staples. So I go to Staples, and I'm standing there with a guy. They don't have the ink I need. Order that. That's just the minutia. That's the silliness stuff. But there's a gentleman standing you know, just a few feet from us, and um, looked like he was pretty anxious. And so we're going, hey, sorry, we're done here in a moment. And uh, without any introduction at all all of a sudden he starts telling me about his father who just passed away at the age of 96 but said he hadn't had a relationship with him in 40 years i mean just out of the blue so how do we start this off right father wound that's how a lot of us stay injured through this life so all of a sudden i'm going well boy god you sure are amazing you know like i said every time you walk out the front door there's an adventure waiting so then he noticed my tattoo, my memorial to Vanessa, Revelation 21.4. You know, wow, that's, that's nice work. Because he was telling me his father was a pastor, this famous graphic artist. And he, uh, and he didn't know much about him because they didn't have a relationship. He said every time he'd go to the house, his dad would ask him to leave. And, you know, it just, he said, yeah, I don't, I don't really feel lost. Then he wanted to take it to... Uh, you know, how I felt about pre-trib or post-trib. So I just said, well, you know, I don't really give too much thought to that, you know. Christ is going to come back when he comes back. That's not my gig to try to figure it out. Uh, in Acts 2, it says, you know, when Jesus ascended to heaven and the angels are talking to the men, oh, men of Galilee or Israel, depending upon what scripture you're reading, why are you looking up? You know, he's ascended. The work's down here. In other words, we need to be taking care of the horizontal. If all we're focused on is the vertical, then, you know, it can't work. That's why we're here. We're his hands. We're his helpers. We're his children. So this man didn't really, and I kept saying, I'm so sorry about your father. I don't want to talk about that. And we really had no relationship. So it went into all these other things and, you know, emotional stuff about, you know, the gift of tongues and, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, all that stuff, that in our daily lives really doesn't matter. So if we get caught up on the shiny things, and I mean, you can do whatever you want. I'm not mad at you, but I'm not trying to judge anybody. If you want to go hang out with the guys with pocket protectors and do all that, I'm not, I'll buy you the pocket protector, you know. Go do, go do whatever you want to do. But at some point in his life, he's going to have to do heart surgery 
and not just put a Band-Aid on it because he's trying to think his way through a heart issue. So like I was talking about with the guy that called me last week and said, we now have six months, you know, I was praying for the guy. And, I, and when I left, I went, God, did I handle this okay? I got a hurting human being in front of me. Did I do what you wanted me to do? I don't know. I hope so. You know, I hope the prayers get answered and that uh, this gentleman can get out of his hurt, out of his head, and live more in his heart. But, you know, that's between he and God. We're not God. You know, we're his disciples. We're walking this thing out. So what I want to share with you this morning is just that. You're God's favorite kid. When you walk out the door, walk out with confidence knowing that absolutely nothing you can do to outdo God's goodness. Nothing. Can't lose your salvation. That's a fact. So if you're dialed in and you've bent the knee and you've said the name and your heart is pure in that, you're, you're one of his disciples. You're a saint. You know, we just not perfection. It's progress, daily progress. So walk out. If you're not sure about what you're calling or you're already into it, try to approach that every day with a biblical view and not a worldview. Because the worldview will confuse us every time and get us off our path and reaching out for the shiny things. Let's eliminate the shiny things. So then I'm going to close with this. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. So walk out the door with confidence, do what God's called you to do. Thanks for listening.